What's Happening Barefoot Church? Man, we're so glad you joined us today in a worship service. Kim and I are away. We're down in Australia. We're hanging out at a leadership conference and also visiting our son who is in a school down here at Hillsong College. And so it's just a great week here down in Australia. But man, we're honored you're there today. And can I tell you, I'm so excited about who is speaking to you today. Pastor Troy Gramlin from Potential Church. Pastor Troy has been a great influence in my life, in Barefoot Church's life. He uh, pastors me in a lot of ways, and so uh, we're grateful to have him today. Uh, His wife, Steph, and their family have influenced our family, been so generous to us along our journey. And so, uh, man, he is going to speak to you today. You're going to be greatly encouraged. What a magnificent opportunity we have today to let him influence us as a greater church of family. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to let Pastor Troy know how much you appreciate him and how much you appreciate him coming to speak to us today at Barefoot Church. So give him a big, warm, barefoot welcome. Give him a huge hand clap and let him know you're glad he's there today. Good morning, and I uh, hope you have had an incredible 4th of July weekend. You know, I am uh, from Miami, and so I, I brought with me a little Miami to give away. I think I gave Miami Heat the last, of course, we're not really any good in anything, baseball, basketball, or uh, <clears throat> football, but I do have Miami Marlin t-shirt, and we do have a home run hitter. If anybody would like a free Marlins, it's autographed, by the way. All right, there you go. And uh, I think I have one more, and it is uh, autographed Miami Marlins as well. Anybody on this side over here? All right. There you go. So enjoy them. Uh, I autographed them before I came out here, so I don't know if that's the same or not. You know, it's an honor to be here, Steph and my my wife and myself. Uh, I think the world of Pastor Clay and Kim. It's been exciting to watch what God's done right here in Myrtle Beach. This is where Steph and I, July the 15th, it'll be 26 years ago, came for our honeymoon. So for us, it's kind of cool to to see this church have such an impact on this community. And uh, if you hang out here very often at all, you know that Pastor Clay and Kim are incredible people. They began with just a few and have uh, continued to be faithful along the way to have a major impact on this city, on this state, and really all of this region. So you are in a very special place, being led by some really incredible people. And, you know, Pastor Clay is one of those pastors who continues to grow and continues to stretch, continues to take risks, continues to, to, to lead out. And you know, as a person yourself, it's very easy in life sometimes to just, you know, settle for medium. And uh, uh, Pastor Clay and Kim both want to live extra large lives. And so uh, it's an honor. Thank you for allowing us to hang out with you on the 4th of July weekend. Years ago, I uh, I played basketball in college, played over in Europe some. And we had a guy in college on our basketball team who was about seven feet tall. And back in the day, you know, girls didn't grow that tall. So he had a hard time finding a date. Eventually, he found a girl that thought, I guess, he was kind of cute or whatever, but she had a real good friend, and they were always together, and he was never able to, you know, impress this girl. So he came to me, and he said, hey, will you, you know, distract 
her friend so I can, you know, get to know her a little bit so I can spend some time with her. And I said, okay. And so to get from where we were, because I was going to take her to the student center so we could play ping pong. It's going to be a hot, hot time. And, and, and to get there, there was a shortcut. And the shortcut was to go uh, through the field. And so it's about dusk. It's just starting to get dark, and we're walking through there. Now, here's what I didn't know. is that I didn't know in the middle of that field there was an uncovered manhole. And so we're just kind of walking along, and I step into the middle of that manhole. I didn't hit my leg. I didn't hit my arm. All I knew is that I was just walking, and then I suddenly fell about 10 or 15 feet. Now, if I wouldn't have been a Christ follower, I would have surely thought I was on my way to hell. It was scary. And then I landed, and I landed in some mud, or at least I hope that's what it was, is mud. And then I'm down there, and the girl I was with, she didn't know where I was. And so she's like, Troy, where did you go? Where did you go? And I'm down here. Where? And she couldn't find me. And so I kept yelling. Eventually, she found me. She had to go get some help to pull me out. And, and, I, and I got to thinking, but in life, I think a lot of times, there are probably some of us who have stepped into a manhole. In other words, you just kind of live in your life, and all of a sudden, it got interrupted by something you didn't expect. And whether that manhole was your finances, or it was a call from the doctor, or it was someone who said, I do, but they didn't, and they walked away, whatever it was, you found yourself in this hole, and you're not exactly sure how to get out of it. You find yourself interrupted, and you're not exactly sure what to do. And I thought, where in the Bible or who in the Bible can we look at to get a handle? And I thought about Mary. Now, Mary's normally somebody we don't talk about very much except for in the month of December. So I think there's some great power uh, for us to look at the life of Mary and Joseph, especially in the month of July. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to the, the book of Luke. We're going to look at some scriptures there. And uh, I want to start just kind of because, you know, it doesn't tell us what Mary's childhood was like. It doesn't tell us what Joe did as a kid or how he was born. It kind of picks up their life when they have discovered each other. So look with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, and he was a descendant of King David. Now, Think about what's going on in their life at this time period. Mary and Joseph are at that age where she has her man. He sees her. She sees him. And in that moment, there's so much excitement, isn't there? At that age where you're like, and some of you have been there. Some of you are not there yet. But that excitement, when you find that person and you begin to dream about what your life's going to be like. The, the scripture says that she was a virgin. So we know that she was a person of discipline that she was a person who lived out what she believed. It also says that her boy, her, her, her man, Joe, was of the descendant of David. So he's royalty. So she's done really good. I mean, she's got a good guy, that, and, and they're engaged. And their engagements during this time period was of a much greater depth than engagements today. So they're filled with all this excitement. What's our life going to be like? Where are we going to live? What are our kids going to look like? And, and where are we going to work? What's our profession? How much money are we going to make or not make? I mean, just that excitement. I remember when Steph and I got married. We got married at Finch Baptist Church. And, and I, I was a little country church. And I remember standing there and the doors open up. And Stephanie walks out and she's wearing her gown and she's gorgeous. And her dad walks her down the aisle. And the preacher says, you know, who gives this woman to be married to this man? 
And her dad, Mike, says, her mother and I. And he stood there. Now, to me, it seemed like three minutes. It might have just been 30 seconds. And I'd like to go back to the video of the wedding and find out how long it really was. But I recorded a basketball game over our only copy of the wedding. But, but it was a good, it was the Boston Celtics Larry Bird and Atlanta Hawks Dominic Wilkins. But it's a, that's a different teaching. So I, I'm not exactly sure how long it was, but I got the feeling that he, he wasn't going to give her up. So I decided I was going to take her. And I stepped over to the opposite side. So now it's Mike, her dad, Stephanie, and then it's me. I put my arm out. She put her hand around it, and I just stepped forward. And uh, her dad, I guess, got the idea and went and sat down. Now, everything's pretty cool, except for now I'm standing next to the bridesmaids, and she's standing next to the groomsmen. Again, it works out okay until the preacher says, do you guys have the rings? So when I turn around, I get my own ring because I'm standing to the bridesmaid. She gets her own ring because she's standing next to the groomsman. And then we look at each other and we, you know, which hand does it go on? And we get all confused. I'm not even sure we're really married. And I mean, but, but there's, there's all that excitement. There's all that energy at that, at that time of life. Now, just a few days before that, we went to Sonic. Now, in South Florida, we don't have any Sonics, but we went to Sonic, and she got one of those big Root 44, you know, drinks. And I don't remember what we were talking about when it came to the wedding, but she poured the whole thing in my lap. And so weddings kind of have the excitement. They have a little bit of tension. They have a little bit of anxiety because you're thinking about the future. What's it going to be? Well, that's where Mary and Joe are. I mean, they're filled with all of this excitement. They're filled with this anticipation. And then they get an interruption. And, and, it, and it's a good one. Look with me in, in the next, very next verse, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings. And I think it's up here. What's that next word? Greetings what? Yeah, favored. One. That's a good thing, right? Favored. First of all, an angel shows up. It's a pretty cool day. And then the angel says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That's good news. Mary's confused and disturbed. You can imagine if your angel showed up on, in your car on the way home. So Mary tried to figure it out. The angel's like, don't be afraid, for you have found what? This is a happy word. This is good news. So we want to read it like it's actually good news. So we need to practice. So let's smile. Let me see you smile. Come on, look up at me. Look at everybody, look up here. Now smile. Now look at the person beside you. Come on, tough guys. Look at the person beside you. Smile. Let me see you smile. Ah, oh, don't you feel better? Happy? Now, let's look at it again. For you have found what? Yeah, favor with God. That is a really cool interruption. And I bet you Mary began to wonder, what does it mean to be favored? What does it mean? Wouldn't you wonder if the angel said in your passenger seat and said, on the way home from church, guess what God sent me? You're special. You're favored. There's something really cool about you. Wouldn't you wonder, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to get the big house? Does that mean when I park this Chevy and open the door to get out, it's going to be a Lamborghini? Does that mean instead of him, I'm really going to get somebody good? I mean, what, what does it mean to be favored? I think Mary and Joe were wondering, we're favored. God chose me. Out of all the people in the world, he's chosen me. I am favored. What, what, what does that mean? Well, uh, if we continue on in verse 31, look at what it says. It says, okay, Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, 
And he will reign over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. Mary asked probably the same question you and I would ask. How in the world can this happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the baby born to you will be holy. You might underline that. That's important. The baby will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. And in verse 38, look how Mary responds. Mary responds by saying, well, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. And everything you have said about me, may it come true. And then the angel left. Now, this is a pretty incredible interruption. Mary is interrupted by an angel that says, guess what, Mary? You're going to have a baby. And Mary's like, how can this be? And the angel said, well, it's the Holy, Holy Spirit. And we know how it went, right? When she goes and tells Joe, guess what, buddy? I'm pregnant. How does Joe respond? He's not like, "Woo, where's the cigars? Let me give them away. No, no, no. He's like, no, that's not mine. We're going to put you away quietly, but we're going to get divorced because you've done something you shouldn't have done. And that got me to thinking that all of us here, if we were to think about today, where you are, so you think about today, and then you think about whatever dream it is that you have. And we all have dreams, whether it be to start that business, whether it be a financial dream, I mean, a relationship dream. I don't know what the dream is, but we all have dreams. And when we think about our dream, and I think Mary and Joe thought this, is that when we think about our dream, we think about going from where we are today to where that dream is, right? Straight line. I know Steph and I did. We're going to get married, and I'm going to coach, and, 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 and you're going to, her whole family's in education, and you're, you're going to be in education, and, and then after we've been married for this many years, we're going to have kids, and, and then this is where they're going to go to school, and, and this is the kind of house we're going to live in. I mean, it, it all planned out. We're going to get from where we are to the dream that we have. I believe that that's what Steph and I thought, and I think that's what Mary and Joe thought. And then this angel shows up. And this angel says that it's going to be a little bit different. And so their journey begins like they thought, but then that angel shows up and that dream or the path to that dream takes a whole different route than they thought. And you know, the Bible actually talks about this. Even in the Old Testament, when the people of God, when they were held as slaves in Egypt, remember Moses came to Pharaoh and he said, hey, God told me to tell you, let my people go. And after 10 plagues, the people of God went from Egypt to where? To Canaan, to the promised land. And anytime you read about the promised land in the Bible, it's not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the abundant life. It's a picture of success. It's a picture of purpose. It's a picture of destiny. And in Exodus chapter 13, when the people of God went from slavery to their destiny or to their their purpose, look at what it says, how they got there. In Exodus. So God led them in a what? A roundabout way. You know what a roundabout way looks like? It looks just like this. And the problem with the roundabout way is that there are times when your dream is there and you feel like you're going in the totally opposite direction. And you're like, how in the world am I going to get to where God has called me to go? The dream that he's put in my heart, the destiny that I've thought about, the goal that I've written down, when it feels like I'm going in the opposite direction and I'm trying to serve God. 
I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, but I feel like I'm going in the wrong direction to get to where God has called me to go. What do you do with that? Because that's exactly where Mary and Joseph were. All of a sudden, they're interrupted because when Jesus was born, I mean, he, he was born into a, well, a, a difficult situation. I, I, at Potential Church, we have uh, several campuses in, in other countries and far distance away. So once a year, we have what we call like a training camp where all the campus pastors and all the staff come together for a real intense time of training to get ready for the new ministry season. And this year we did it at uh, a part of Miami that's real art, artistic, artsy. And then we did it at one of our campuses in Hollandale Beach. And right before you get to our Hollandale Beach campus, if you're going from west to east, west towards the ocean, there's a railroad track. And I hate railroad tracks because you never notice a railroad track unless what? There's a train on it. And I'm about five cars from the railroad track. I am almost to my destination, almost to our campus, and the train comes. And those arms start to go down, and those lights start to blink. And so we're, we're stuck there. And I, I guess it's a good thing. I don't know. But it seems like trains go so slow, and it's just crawling. And then it stops. And so we're sitting here. And it's like, do we wait, or do we try to go around it and get across the tracks? And I look with the folks that are with me. I say, give, give me five minutes. And then five more minutes. And then five more. We sat there for 20 minutes, and the train is just stopped. And finally, I'm like, you know what? We're going to have to go around it. And so we cut through a couple of gas station parking lots, and we get on a road that runs parallel with the train tracks. The only problem with that is I'm not the only one that had this incredible idea. There were tens of thousands of other people who did. And so the traffic is horrendous on this little road. And it's stop and go and stop. And it's going to take us forever. And I've got tons of opinions in the vehicle with me about what we ought to do. I'm not going to give you their names, but I do sleep with one of them. And, you know, do we go around the traffic like we're trying to go around the train? But I could see just down the road where the traffic was going back and forth over the, the track. And I thought, if we can just get there, we are home free. And so we stuck with it. And we would go and traffic and light. And finally, we got to the last light before and I, the, where people were crossing the train tracks. And when we got there, I could see that that road that crossed the train tracks was a one-way road. And it was going this way. And I wanted to go that way. I had spent 30 minutes waiting to get somewhere that would not take me where I wanted to go. And so the only way to get there is I had to go way down and over to a bypass. And then when I got to the bypass and I'm going over the tracks and just as I got to the top of the bypass of the train, it started to go. And I could see that little engineer on the inside, almost as if he were laughing at me for all the trouble he had caused. Get over the tracks. I got to go all the way back. I got to go around. I got to make a U-turn. It took me forever. Instead of being on time or even early, like we thought, we were 45 minutes late try to get around that train. And I thought, you know what? There are probably some of us here today in our lives we're trying to get around a train. There's something in the way of a marriage. There's something in the way of your finances. There's something in the way of your dream. And you're making all these turns and you're trying to decide, do I go this way or do I go that way? Well, Mary could certainly identify with what you're struggling with. Because when Jesus was born, think about it, he was born into a messy relationship. We like to think of Mary and Joseph holding hands and being in love and singing love songs. But remember, when jo, when she told Joe she was married, remember, Joe said, bye-bye, and then he goes home. 
and he has a dream. And the angel comes to him and the angel says, Joe, you know what Mary told you? She's telling you the truth. Can you imagine what the next day was like when Joe comes back to Mary and says, Mary, <laughs> you know, when I told you we were going to get divorced, I was just kidding. That's not going to, I knew you were telling me the truth. Can you imagine how many times she brought that up on the way to Bethlehem? <laughs> you know, you just listen to me, Joe. And then again, I've never been pregnant in my life, but my wife has been on three occasions. So I can only imagine as she rode that donkey all the way to Bethlehem, up and down, how many times they had to pull over and go to the bathroom. I mean, it had to be a horrendous trip. And then when they get there, it's not the Four Seasons, it's a barn. You know, it's some cave, it's wet. And if it can, it does stink, all those animals. And then when Jesus is born, there's nobody to celebrate with. There's no family to love on him. There's nobody to say, oh, isn't he cute? death of whether or not the authorities are going to find out who we are around every court. This is what favored looks like. This is what it means to be chosen by God. And maybe again, you and I can identify because somebody here maybe lost your job and you don't know if you'll ever get the kind of job you had that paid what that paid. And you're like, God, man, I serve you. I run after you. And this is, this is what happens. Or maybe you and your spouse have been trying to have kids and you've done everything and yet there's no child. And you watch people who are a long way from God, and they seem to have uh, kids with ease. Or maybe your children are rebellious, and they're doing their own thing, and you're like, man, I brought them up in church. I I did the best that I can, and yet they seem to make all the wrong decisions. And you're like, this this is what it means to be a Christ follower? Maybe it's an unfair illness where the doctor calls and says, here's what we found. And you get up every day and there's that pain and there's that agony. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm serving you. I'm running after you. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. And I've got this big dream. And it feels like my life is just going in the totally opposite direction. It feels like my dream is there, but I am walking in this direction. Now, remember, when the people of God went the roundabout way to the promised land, it was not punishment. It was not discipline. God had something else in mind. And maybe you're here today and you feel the same way. And I think when that happens, it causes us to ask this question. What does it mean to be favored? I think Mary asked this question. What what do you mean? How how is this favored? What I thought favor meant this. But it can't because that's not what I'm experiencing in my life. What, 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 What does it mean? And I go back to that passage of scripture. Remember, we read it. It said that Jesus, the baby, was holy doesn't say that Mary was holy. It says the baby, the child was holy. See, I, I don't think that God chose Mary because of her holiness. I, I, I believe that the reason God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, the mother of the Messiah, was because of her tenacity.
from where she desired to go. I think she often went back to what it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, where she said, God, you know what? Whatever it is that you ask of me, I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to persevere. An unexpected pregnancy, a donkey ride, birth in a barn, life on the run. And we don't know when, scholars don't know when, but somewhere between the time when they went to Egypt and when Jesus began his earthly ministry, Joseph died. And scholars believe that Mary was a single parent. She wasn't a single parent with only Jesus. Jesus had brothers, and those brothers didn't believe that Jesus was who he said that he was. And they would often come to Christ and try to get him you know, away because he was embarrassing them. And Mary's having to deal with all of this. But she wasn't just faithful. When Jesus was young, when Jesus began his ministry and for almost three years, and then things really started to go bad, didn't they? He's arrested. He's tried. He's convicted. He's jailed. And then he's crucified. Put on a cross. Nails in both his hands and his feet, a crown of thorn on his head, a spear in his side. You know what the Bible says about that time period? It says that, that Peter denied him, that Judas betrayed him. And that all the other disciples ran and hid from him. But, but where's Mary during that time period? Well, according to John chapter 19, she's right there at the cross. When everybody else ran and hid, no, not Mary. Mary said, God told me I'm favored. And my God keeps his word. And so although this is not the way I anticipated it would go, I believe that God is still going to do something. When you think about the other disciples and they're afraid of what's going to happen, and they take Jesus down from the cross and they put him into the tomb. And Matthew 27, it says that, that Mary was just across the way watching what took place. And then on the third day, that Sunday morning, if you read Luke 24, you know that the disciples, well, they're all locked away behind doors, scared to death that they're going to be the next one that's put to death. They all believe, you know what? He's not who he said he was. He can't do what he said he could do. He's just a man. He's not the Messiah. And we're just worried about how we're going to keep ourselves alive and what we're going to do in the future. And while all these men were hiding, what was Mary doing? You know what the scripture says? She was on her way to the tomb with a few other ladies. When everybody else had quit believing, Mary still believed that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lives. He is all powerful, all knowing and everywhere at one time. He will do what he said he would do. And so Mary continued to believe, even though God took her on the roundabout way. She continued to believe. She continued to persevere. And I think that is the challenge for us today. Is that when God takes us on the roundabout way, when things don't work out the way that we think that they're going to, will we quit? Because there are some of us here, and you're facing the train. I mean, there's something in your life. You're in the, the manhole. You don't know how you're going to get out. And here's the question. Are you going to give up on the dream? You're going to give up on the marriage. You're going to give up on starting the business. You're going to give up on experiencing the healing. You're going to give up on your kids. You're going to give up on your workplace. I mean, are you going to surrender? Are you going to stop believing that God is this real? Or is it just something we do on Sunday? Mary continued to believe. And I think that you and I can do the same because God speaks to it. He gives us some promises. Did you know that in Romans 8.28, it says, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Some translations say everything, all things 
I don't know how all that happens. All I know is that God says that what has taken place in your life, God is going to do something with that. But you have to believe it, don't you? In Genesis chapter 50, in verse number 20, Joe, Joe was a guy that went the roundabout way, Joseph. Right? He had a big dream. I mean, he saw it. He went to everybody. He says, you can't, but you know what God's going to do with my life? It's going to be amazing. And then he ended up being sold into slavery by his brothers. Turn that around. Every time it seemed like Joe was going in the right direction, something bad would happen. And he'd end up in the wrong, wrong place, end up in prison. But look at what, look at the words of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Here's what he says. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Isn't that an incredible promise? You intended it for bad because I don't know what's going on in your life. But here's what I know the scripture teaches is that what the enemy has brought into my life to destroy me, what the enemy has brought into my life to try to discourage me, to try to God says that he's going to turn it around. And in some way, he's going to he's going to use what the enemy's trying to destroy me to glorify himself. I and mean, that, that, that's it's an incredible promise. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, it says this, that God will return to you everything the locusts have taken from you. That happened in Job's life. That happened, did you know that Joseph became the second most powerful man and the most powerful nation in the world? But in order to experience the dream, he had to go through the prison. And, and here's the hardest part about the prison is whether or not you will persevere. What does it mean to believe? doesn't mean just to say, I believe. It doesn't mean just to show up at church and raise your hand and say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing that. What does it mean to believe? The word is pistuo, and it's a Greek word that means to, to put all your weight upon it. It's kind of like if I were sitting in a chair, and I'd kind of sit down in it, I'd lift up my feet, and all my weight would be on that chair, complete faith in that chair. But you know what a lot of us do? A lot of us kind of sit like this. We trust in ourselves. I believe I'm trusting you. But just in case God doesn't come through, you're ready to take care of it yourself. One of the folks who've had the greatest impact on my life, farmer in Arkansas, his name is Jackie, his wife is Mary. And when they were in their 20s, she was riding a bicycle, she fell. And when she did, it broke her back. And from the shoulders down, you know, she, she, she can't lose her legs, she's in a wheelchair, she can move her arms. She used her hands a little bit. She laid in that ditch for about eight hours. As long as I've known her, she's been in a wheelchair. But from that wheelchair, she helped lead the, the we started the church in Arkansas a long, long time ago. And she helped do the creative team because she can paint and she can raise up volunteers and she can lead. She can drive. She's always reading and she's always growing and she's always learning. Even now, she's going through a difficult time, and one of the doctors wants to take off one of her legs. But she's not giving up. See, give, believing is not just saying you believe. Belief means that you live your life as if it were really going to happen. Believing is continuing on. It, here's what believing is. There's some of you here, and your marriage is not going in the right direction. 
But the scripture says in Ephesians 5.21 that we're to submit to one another, that we're to love one another, that we're to serve one another. Well, you know what belief is? Belief is that even when he or she is being unkind, you are going to continue to be kind. Why? Because your God has promised that he will work all things together for good, that he will take what the enemy wants to destroy and he will build you up. So belief is continuing to be kind when you're not, they're not being kind to you. It's continuing to love when you don't feel loved. I remember when Steph and I uh, had been married just a few years, I don't know, five years or so, and had a, a child or two, and they're young, and they needed diapers, and they're expensive. I bet I can't imagine how expensive they are now, but they were expensive then. We didn't have any money, and, you know, the car's broken, and, and I got tired of eating those uh, Raymond noodles, you know? He's putting water, and I, it, it's just, and it come the first of the week. And we, back in that day, you'd pull out the checkbook. You know, you didn't have the, the iPhone. You had the checkbook. And, and you'd look at it, and you, you'd, you'd see what was in the bank account. It'd be time to write the tithe. And I'd look at what we had, knowing that the mortgage is due or this is due. And I'd have to decide in that moment, do I believe that God is faithful when it comes to finances? Do I believe that in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, that he says that he'll open up the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a blessing so big that it will blow me away. Do I believe that? Uh, do I trust him in that? Because to believe meant to write the check. See, it's very easy to say, I believe, but then act as if you don't. And I remember writing that check, and it wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was a lot of money to us. And I remember putting it in that envelope, man, carrying that thing to church. And when they passed that bucket in front of us, and Stephanie and I both look at one another, we dropped that bucket uh, or dropped that envelope inside that bucket. And when we did, we were saying, God, we still believe that even though right now, if you look at our checkbook, it seems like we're going in the wrong direction. I mean, the, the, the air conditioners broke at the house and, and the kids, they need to take be taking care of this with school coming up. But we're going to take and we're going to give this to you because we believe that you are faithful. We believe that you are all powerful, all knowing everywhere at one time, that you will take what we're giving you and that you will multiply that in our lives. Believe means living as a she's in a wheelchair. Expect it to happen. It's acting in that faith. I don't know what area of your life. I don't know if it's in your business life. I don't know if it's in your physical life. I don't know if it's in your, your, your dating life, right? Where you find yourself in relationship after relationship and you're like, man, I, I, I know that if I just was a little more physical with him or her, that maybe we could stay connected a little bit longer. And I'm tired of doing life lonely, alone. And I'm tired of being thought of like this or like that. And, 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 Belief is saying, you know what? I'm still going to live a pure life. Even though this pure life seems to be taking me in the wrong direction because I always seem to be the odd one out. I always seem to be the one that people are making fun of. I've always seemed to be the one that, that can't, can't hang on to somebody. But I'm going to trust that God's word is true. And I'm going to believe that God will be faithful. I'm going to be like Mary. And I'm going to be like Joe. I'm going to be like Joe. I'm going to persevere. See, did you know that the word favor is only used two times in the Bible? Luke chapter 1, we read it. And the other one is Colossians, I think, verse number 2. There it's translated accepted. It's only used. It's a Greek word. It's only used in those two places. In other words, what God said about Mary, he uses the same word in Colossians speaking about you. 
Ephesians 2.10 says you are what? You're God's masterpiece. You're favored. God wants to do something in your life, something of significance, something that matters. And the only way you will not accomplish that, because it's not based on your skill, it's not based upon your certain environment, the only way you will fail is if you give up, is if you surrender, is if you quit, is if you stop believing. And I don't know how you ended up here today. And I came from way down in South Florida to just let you know one thing, you need to persevere. You need to keep believing. You need to keep believing that God is who he said he was. He can do what he said he could do. And it may be the roundabout way, but one day, if you and I will not grow weary, the scripture says in due season, that's the part we don't like, right? In due season, we will reap a harvest if you do not give up. That's the promise. And it's available to every one of us. That's why I got an awesome job. Because I don't get to tell you, I don't get to just give it to a few people. I get to say, you know what? This is for everybody. Everybody. You were created on purpose to do something of significance. Will you bow your head? I want to I pray for you. And if you're here and you say, you know what, Troy? I'm on the roundabout path. I'm on the roundabout path, and at times it is discouraging, at times it is frustrating, and at times I even get mad because it doesn't seem to be fair. I'm on that roundabout path. Can you, you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand and just put it right back down? Just lift it, put it back down. I'm on that roundabout path. That's not a lot of fun right now, but I want to keep believing. I want to keep going after it. Just raise it, put it back down. Father, you see those of us that are on this roundabout path. And I'll be the first one to admit, God, sometimes it just doesn't seem fair. And there are times, God, when I get frustrated. And there are times when I'm afraid. And there are times when I'm angry. And I'm even angry at you. But I pray that I would persevere. I pray that we would persevere. That whatever it is that the enemy's trying to use to discourage us or defeat us, that we would step right through that. And that, as Matthew said, they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And may it be said of us that no matter what we face, we didn't give up. We didn't quit. We didn't surrender. We kept believing you are who you said you are and you will do what you said you would do. Would you tell him just quietly right there where you are, just say, God, I believe. Whatever it is you're facing, think about whatever that is that's got you on the roundabout way. Whatever that is you're worried about, you're anxious about, you're frustrated with, maybe even angry. God, this doesn't make sense. Just tell God, right? God, just, God I believe. I believe. We believe, Lord. We declare victory. The enemy will be defeated. You defeated him on the cross, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys, all right? It has been an honor.